0: Battle Red Radio. My name is Matt Weston. Today I'm joined by Rivers McCown to preview the 2019 Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you don't know, uh, I guess you probably already do, but Rivers used to write for Battle Red Blog. He wrote for Football Outsiders. He wrote the 2019 Jacksonville Jaguars preview in the Football Outsiders Almanac. And he's also like an AFC South expert as well too. How are you doing today, Rivers?
1: Yes, I've spent much of my life wallowing in the sad, sad division. I'm doing well happy to be here
0: <laughs> well it's it's like William Faulkner always said to understand the NFL you first have to understand the AFC South and uh, I think and this what we've been trying to do here at this preview all summer
1: I didn't know that that was applicable to the AFC South but I I can see and Mr. Faulkner is a great man so you know you're hearing it more and more
0: yeah uh so the the Jaguars last year they dropped off from 10 wins to five wins last season and a lot of this was because of injuries and as you mentioned in your preview, the Jaguars had 88.4 just a game's loss just on offense, and that was the highest total since 2011. They all, their offensive line played eight different starting combinations, and they had 12 different players to take a snap. Uh, Cam Robinson, Brand Linder, and Jeremy Parnell all missed significant time, and without them and Fournette's injuries, their power run game diminished, and they relied a lot more on Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler in this case than they ever would have wanted to. So just because of, of injuries alone, do you think the Jaguars made the right decision to move on from Bortles? Or do you think last year was a down year they could maybe have bounced back from? And what would you think about the Nick Foles signing, especially since they gave him $55 million guaranteed and will have a cap hit of at least $22 million from over the next three years after this season?
1: Well, I mean, the right time to get rid of Blake Bortles was like 2015. So, I mean, you know, better late than never. Uh <laughs> Very good for them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Jaguars fans. It actually, uh, you know, I've taken a lot of criticism from Jaguars websites about, uh, you know, standing up and being like, hey, Blake Bortles, probably not that good yet. Hey, Blaine Gabbard, probably not good. Uh, probably not going to get there. And, and I really do want them to have success. I really do. So I feel good that they have an actual NFL quarterback now in Nick Foles. Um, it's not really a move that, i think you can be ecstatic about uh it feels a lot like they're putting it to themselves when they you know put together this contract because there wasn't anybody else really searching for a starting quarterback at the same time you know you look at the upgrade and just even getting a, a average nfl starter if they can get that out of uh, out of Foles, then that's way better than they had uh with Bortles for sure
0: yeah, it, I, one, of, one of the things I read, too, after they made the decision to sign Foles and why they gave him so much money was just kind of like a pecking order in the locker room that the other teammates have to respect him because his contract is tied to that dollar amount. But other than that, it was really strange that they gave him that much money guaranteed. And I think like this is kind of the big year for Jacksonville just because Foles is only owed $12.9 million this year and then goes up to $22 million uh, you know, going forward as well, too. And what do you think is going to be the biggest like improvement from having Nick Foles compared to Bortles? Because Bortles was, you know, in 2017, he was fine in a way. as like throwing short passes and scrambling for third downs and running play action. But last year, they kind of all fell apart along with the injuries and in offensive line and the run game. And so I, I guess, again, what is, uh, where specifically do you think Foles will improve at uh, compared to Blake Bortles? I mean, the mental
1: side of Foles' game is, you know, way above and beyond what Bortles is capable of. Um, every time the teams ran zone, I think Bortles had a real problem throwing deep. I think he had a real problem doing pretty much anything but throwing over the middle. Whereas I think Foles is a lot more calculated. I think he can understand coverages a lot better. Uh, I don't think he's going to be like a pre snap, uh, you know, Peyton Manning kind of guy or anything. But I do believe that the Jaguars will see a lot of improvement against zone defenses. And that works out pretty well for them, considering, you know, you know, they were 0 2 against the Texans last year, and the Texans are very heavily into zone coverages.
0: Mm hmm. And do you think, are you expecting the Jaguars offense to bounce back to you know, mediocre like it was in 2017? And are you kind of just factoring this into just like their health is going to be better or just because of the improvement from Foles compared to portals as well too. I, I mean, I
1: think it's really an open question at this point. Um, I, I do think Leonard Fournette will have a better year. I feel like everything we've seen of him in the preseason has been, um, you know, positive at the same time. You know, you don't want to throw too much weight on the preseason, but I feel like, you know, Jaguars fans are very upset that uh, they they barely scored any touchdowns the entire thing. Okay. Uh, um, uh, I know that John DeFilippo's offense is um, a very interesting fit with what Tom Coughlin believes, given that DeFilippo was run out of Minnesota for not running the ball enough. So, like, you, you see how if these things are married together just right, then they're going to make a good stew, and if they uh, aren't married together just right, or if a talent uh, letdown happens over an injury or something, then you know you could see you could you could see some results that were just like last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned in your preview too. You you described McFoles as a dividing rod or a dividing rod that it depending on how well he plays, it's kind of a good indication how good your offensive coaching staff is. And so, do you think they can build a good off a good offense around him? This offensive line, that thing is gonna be very good their receiver group consisting of D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, Chris Conley, D.J. Chark, uh, Keelan Cole, and ends Jeff Swain and James O'Shaughnessy?
1: I think they can make a solid offense out of this group. I don't think that it has enough skill, position, talent at wide receiver to really leap off the page issue. And, like, even Westbrook, even though I think that he's going to have a big year from a fantasy perspective, uh, wasn't a big broken tackle guy last year. His elusiveness that we've talked about in the NFL and kind of got him drafted – high Even though he had some off-field issues uh, Hadn't really shown up yet. So, you know, you, you got to figure between You know, Nick Foles throwing to like DJ Chark who has no history of success Keelan Cole who has no history of success outside of the slot Lee coming off that injury like there's a lot of there's a lot of turmoil outside that makes me a little hesitant To think they'd be good. I do think they can be solid though.
0: Mm-hmm yeah, and the, the weird thing about their skill player group, too, is aside from Chark, who's like a sideline, kind of go up and get it receiver, most of these guys are guys who throw, run a lot of short routes, attack the middle part of the field, uh, run a lot of slants and drags and sorts of things. And so it seems like a cluttered offense, too. And I know Nick Foles was a very good short field passer, but really wasn't as good as throwing the ball downfield as you expect him to be. Um, do you think this could be kind of like the biggest issue that they have in their passing game, just by having too many guys that do too many similar things without the ability to break, without the ability to break any tackles?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure really why you would have Westbrook and Cole on the same roster. I I know, you know, it's a it's a value thing. You try try to get uh, a trade if you can and if you can't then you don't want to release a good player, but I feel like these two replicate each other's skill sets so so scarily that it's almost irrelevant to have both of them on the same roster unless you're just hoping for an injury. So there is that, yeah. Um I think that the Lee injury caught them by surprise. And then of course when you're making this kind of big splash like they did for Foles, you don't have a lot of uh, money to go attack in free agency and also this is a pretty weak wide receiver class anyway so i don't fault the jaguars for doing what they did i mean when they went to the draft uh you know the two guys that slipped to them i feel like were really good values so you know you can't be like oh it should take in a wide receiver there but i mean it's going to be it's going to probably take another off season before that's really really set in as like a a good offense
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and they also after all the cuts that came out recently they didn't add any additional receivers too but I just see things just being kind of too much the same and I think this offense is going to be really similar to what it looked like you know with Bortles in a way where it's a lot of short passes in the middle of the field uh, it's a lot of running on first and second down, and you just at least have you have at least you have the efficiency from Foles and the accuracy that you have with Bortles like you mentioned earlier the mental game as well too um, So like, do you are you do you feel similarly in that fact? Like, do you think this offense is going to look similar to how it did two years ago, and the Jaguars have the sort of style, or will the new offensive coordinator definitely imprint a new sort of offense and put his sort of values into this team this year?
1: I think DiFilippo Filippo is a little bit more complicated than uh, Nathaniel Hackett was. I think that uh, the slot receiver Westbrook, like I said earlier, I think Westbrook is going to see a lot of targets this year. I think he's going to be you know running a lot of posts some seams i think he's going to be you know keeping guys off balance there um one thing d Filippo really did well with uh, kirk cousins was he guided him to like a 70 percent completion rate and a lot of that was obviously adam the one in the slot uh stefan digs out wide like you have really great receivers but at the same time i think his schedule of targets really well i think he really knows how to understand uh kind of passing offense uh sequencing so uh, I do think that they will be a little bit better than the Jaguars were last year in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting too because I know I know with Foles last or Foles over the last two years in Philadelphia, he has seventy four percent completion percentage on short throws, anything less than fifteen yards in the air. Uh, he averaged eleven point. He averaged five point nine yards to attempt on these throws. He threw eleven touchdowns at three interceptions, but he only he threw one touchdown, and three interceptions on deep passes, and a completion percentage of thirty six point two percent. And so it seems like if they can, you know, if if Westbrook's really good in the slot and Marquis Lee bounces back, uh, there's enough like efficiency here. But I think more than anything, kind of like how it was with Bortles, it's going to depend on the run game and this offensive line to create easier situations for them. So watching watching preseason football, how do you think Leonard Fournette looked uh, this past preseason? Because I know last year was really down year for him. He averaged only 3.3 yards a carry after averaging 3.9 his rookie year. And his DVOA dropped from 2.1 percent to negative 9.3 percent. I mean, he
1: barely played, so <laughs> there's really not a whole lot to glean from that. Um, <laughs> I, what, I, what, what I will say is, I think where Filippo can help a little bit is running a bit less zone. I think Fournette's more of a, more of a see it, hit it kind of guy. And I think now that they've brought in um, Taylor from from Florida to play right tackle, I think he can win that job pretty quickly. Uh, I th- think you know having Linder healthy. Uh, having Norwell, you know, a little bit more acclimated to the system, having Cam Robinson healthy. I think kind of their best bet at this point is to just, just let those big bodies go push people around.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping they've run a lot more power too, because I know, I know Norwell's a really great puller. Uh, Cam Robinson is a guy like you can run a lot inside zone with, and he can move guys to the line of scrimmage. And Linder's a very good run blocker too. And I really love Juwan Taylor coming, out of, coming into this draft because he's one of those rare offensive tackles who could both run and pass block. I think he was a really great steal for them the second round and allowed them to move on from Parnell and get a little bit younger too. Um, so I know, so like if, let's say something does happen to Fournette, or let's say they do have some sort of major injury along the offensive line. Do you think Nick Foles can do something he hasn't really done before, which is carry an offense all on his own? Probably not. I mean,
1: I mean, you know, you've seen it happen in the Super Bowl before. Like if you really scheme it up just perfectly, if you are aggressive, then these things can happen. And, you know, we saw Nick Foles last year uh, towards the Texans. So, I mean, he wasn't exactly playing with all studs at that point either. Um, I think that they'll be good in individual games, but I think it's one of those things where he has enough weaknesses and the team around him has enough weaknesses that it will be hard for them to overcome a Fournette injury.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think the Foles thing will work this year because of that because he's only owed you know 12.9 million dollars but next year whenever he's being paid as much as he's allowed out to be he's not the type of guy who can make you know the guys around him much better i think he can play within a system with like a really great set of circumstances around him and i think he's you know kind of like a i wouldn't say a better version only because Borals was so bad but he definitely is a guy who plays within a system as well too
1: i will say i really like um the guy that claimed from new orleans uh Divine Ozbigbo. I think he's like a a good long term uh, developmental back. Uh, But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, they're dealing with like Tyler Irvin back there. They've got Reichwell Armstead. Like, it's not a bunch of names where you're just like, oh man, I'm excited to see that guy get some work.
0: Yeah. And even Alfred Blue is, I think, starting on IR too. So they don't even get the chance to watch him get three yards of carry. If something does happen to Fournette,
1: it's a sad day for everybody. In the Bill O'Brien coaching tree.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that happened because I was so afraid of him getting released and him coming back to Houston after, you know, if they didn't like Higdon, that sort of thing. But luckily, we don't have to live through that reality over here. Well, not yet. <laughs> yeah, a lot a of ball game left. <laughs> Yeah, I forget there's, there's 16, there's 17 weeks of football and guys get caught as much as they do. You know, I always kind of come into the season thinking everything's like set and solidified, but it changes really quickly. The the biggest question mark on the offensive line right now is the right guard position. Their depth tries, A.J. Kahn, Will Richardson Jr., both listed as the starting right guard. I know they had a preseason you know, position battle. Richardson's a, a former mid-round pick. A.J. Kahn started here for the last two or three years. Do you know who's going to be starting at this spot, and do you have a preference over one or the other?
1: Uh, I don't know yet. I, I believe that Kahn is probably a better player. I think he's just a a little bit more established a little bit more solid and uh has at this point probably more chemistry with the other starting linemen uh richardson i always saw him as more of a tackle uh, and so him moving inside the guard is kind of an interesting projection because he's he's rather tall uh you know guards more of a more of a win low position so i mean they're all win low positions but guard especially mm-hmm. and uh yeah i'm 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 not sure that that one's going to work out very well
0: yeah, you don't see very many like six foot seven or six foot eight guards out there at all. And I, I've like, I've watched right. Cam before, and you know he's okay, but he's not somebody that you want. He's definitely like whoever whoever ends up winning this battle is gonna be the weak spot on the offensive line. And I think it's gonna be a really good one. I think they have the ability to protect balls adequately. I think if, like you mentioned earlier, if they run more power, uh, more trap, more inside zone, like straight vertical running, uh, I think Fournette can have a really good year as well too. Do you think this is the type of offensive line that can control games? Can you know, dominate on their own and kind of be at the level of maybe like a top five, top 10 offensive line. They can kind of go out there and, and dominate from the beginning and win games on their own.
1: I mean, that's the big question for their season, really. Um, and, and we don't know the answer to that really, but uh, you know, Taylor would make be very optimistic. I've seen some really good reps from him. I know he's your guy. I know that uh, he, he's, a he's, one of those linemen that puts those really nasty moves on tape that you're like ooh, and you know you don't want to watch the clips on YouTube over and over again so uh, I mean he can probably give them that kind of mentality and you know that kind of thing just spreads around to the to the other linemen and they really get you know gel together as a unit uh, I can see it happening I, I'm not saying it's going to happen but I think if the Jaguars are to be ultimately a playoff team uh, that's kind of what they need to see
0: mm-hmm yeah, I don't know. As I start watching, you know, more college guys whenever they come out of the draft for the offensive line. Like I just like I'm I'm such a sucker for anybody that can both run and pass block after seeing so much turn and running pass sets and just getting in the way and the ball really quickly. And so whenever I watch a guy like Taylor, like I'm just flabbergasted, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. I mean I feel I felt that way over uh on Drag Dillard's slide step, uh, but, but here we are. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's a different team. We won't mention them anymore. Uh, so is there anything else on offense that you want to add? I know you mentioned Nick Foles' mental ability, the fact that the offensive line, them being like really great, is probably the most important part of this team. Um, are there is there anything, any other tidbits that you may have about this offense you want to share? Uh,
1: as far as just, oh, just raising their overall ceiling, I think a player to watch is Josh Oliver, the third-round tight end. Uh, Nick Foles loves throwing tight ends. De Filippi, the the DeFilippo offense can target tight ends pretty well as well. So uh, the, the quicker he is ready to go and the quicker he is ready to kind of absorb most of the targets, I think the better this offense can be because, you know, as you said earlier, guys like Jeff Swaim and like James O'Shaughnessy, they're fine players. They're not anybody who you want to target 60 times in a season.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I don't even know who John Oliver is, but I'll have to take a look at him. Is he a rookie this year or a second-year player? What's uh, What's kind of like his history? Josh Oliver. Josh yeah. Oliver.
1: <laughs> John Oliver does a TV show. My,
0: my bad. It's been a long day. Uh,
1: Josh Oliver is a uh, third-round pick from San Jose State this year. Okay. So he's got some size. He's got some hands. And question, question, question mark, will he block? That's the big deal.
0: Yeah, I think you can say that for just about every time I come out of college nowadays, too is that they can block because they're always good athletes and it takes some few years from the playbook and that sort of thing.
1: Well, I mean, you know, if, if, if you do know how to block, then you're TJ Hawkinson and you get picked in the first, like, 20 picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, yeah, uh, you, you mostly see a lot of NFL guys these days targeting these uh, catch-first tight ends who, you know, they can block you, but they probably won't.
0: As, yeah, like getting, getting in the way is a win for them most of the time whenever they come out of college.
1: Yep, and that's why uh, that's why Jordan Akins isn't playing more.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen so many pulls for him and so many chips from him that were just a uh, disastrous last year. At least Ryan Griffin isn't there though. Yep, but that's a different team. Anyway, all <laughs> uh, roads go back to Houston, I guess. Whenever you do something like this, uh, so defensively, the well, Jagu- I mean, it is it is
1: it is your Battle Red Blog podcast, right? So yeah.
0: it, it it all kind of bleeds into it. Uh, so defensively, the Jaguars last year were. Uh, they finished sixth in DVOA the year before they were first. In uh, 2017, they had like, an all-time great pass defense. And last year, their pass defense regressed, but their run defense improved a lot. And so I know entering this year, Football Outsiders had the Jacksonville Jaguars projected to have the second best defense by DVOA. That was before Javon Clowney was traded by the Texans. And here we go, given the Houston Texans. Uh, so in your mind, where do you think their final defensive DVOA ranking will be at the end of the season? Anything the Jaguars can meet that top five projection?
1: Yeah, I would expect top five for sure. It seems like they've definitely got enough pass rush to get there. Um, I think that Todd Wash disguises coverage as enough so that he's not too stagnant. I mean, there are some times when, like like the Dallas game last year, where they'll just ignore the slot receiver for, for way too long. But uh, otherwise, I think they've got solid game plans. Uh, I think they've got a really good pass rush. Obviously, the cornerback tandem, the top two have been pretty good, although Bouye was a little heard banged up last year uh it's really more just the middle of the field is the question for them right now and uh, i don't know exactly how that's going to turn out this year but uh ronnie harrison has a chance to to make a lot of plays
0: mm-hmm. yeah so there they did lose some players last year going from that defense to this year but it seemed like they had answers at all of them except for the middle of the middle of the field like you just mentioned Telvin smith is going to take a gap year they're moving what jack to middle linebacker and on the depth chart right now, it's Quincy Mil- Quincy Williams and Leon Jacobs at the other uh, linebacker positions. How do you think those guys are able to fill in at linebacker uh, without Smith here? And do you think this to be a big problem for them—the ability to to play well at the second level of their defense?
1: Well, I think actually, the first, you have to start with Jack for this because Jack just got this big new contract. Right mm-hmm. now, he's going to be tasked with uh, actually covering guys that was uh, that, that that was not his job last year. That was, that was that was like a secondary thing for him. So you move him up the scale, now he's got to live up to those tools. We don't know if he can or not. Uh, as far as Quincy Williams, Leon Jacobs, like these guys, uh, you know, you don't expect much right away, right? Um, at the same time, it's not exactly hard to play linebacker in the NFL and, and contribute a little bit as long as you can stuff the run. So, I mean, I think the big thing you're looking for for the Jaguars is just – can 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 Williams and Jacobs actually just keep their broken tackle numbers under like fifteen or ten or something like that.
0: Yeah, and just keep their head above water. And it also helps too. They have Ar- I I know it's Avery Jones, but I love to call him Arby Jones. I wish his name was slightly different. Like one letter was switched over and Marcel Darius are in front of them too. So it makes playing linebacker an even easier thing than it already is too
1: yeah for sure they've got some good uh, rundown players up front uh it, it's it's very darius has had such a strange career to me man because like, like he comes out he's a number three overall pick he gets 10 sacks one year and uh i was writing about this for another chapter i think and basically the rest of his career has been yeah he's fine
0: <laughs> yeah it's really how his pass rushing billy was really zapped and whenever he had that really good year that was underneath uh schwartz in buffalo too and they had him and Jerry Hughes and Mario Williams and Kyle Williams just all running stunts and playing off each other. And that was a really fun team to watch until so Rex Ryan came in and ruined that defense.
1: Well, the good thing is that Mario Williams dropped on the coverage. That's the most important thing. Always got to drop <laughs> your pass rushing linebackers into coverage. I'm told that is how you win football games.
0: Yeah. And talking about the Texans again, I guess this will just keep happening. I won't have to fight it all anymore. But J. Davion Clowney already said that he's excited to play in Seattle on the defensive line, so we won't to drop into coverage as much this year uh, playing up there. So he's very excited for that, which is good to hear. I'm glad for Jadavion.
1: I'm happy for him as well. He is going to make a lot of money as long as he does not get hurt.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the the other spot they have replaced, too, on Jacksonville's defense is Tashawn Gibson left. He was cut by the Jaguars, and he went to Houston. Replacing him is Jared Wilson. Uh, do you think he can be, you know, kind of like we're talking about the linebacker position, do you think he can keep his head above water at the free safety position? It doesn't really even matter that much in this defense with A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey on the outside D.J. Hayden in the slot. And are you also expecting maybe Seattle to play more man coverage and less cover three with you know, Will Sam to patrol the center of the field?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to deal with that. Uh, D.J. Hayden was a problem last year. He was, he was not a good player. Um, I do think that Wilson has enough chops to play a, a solid free safety. He doesn't exactly have the range, though. So I'm, I'm thinking you're going to see a lot more cover, too, from them. I think you'll see a lot of disguised looks where a nickelback maybe drops into coverage, uh, plays quarters or something. And, you know, ultimately, Ramsey's going to have to carry this unit. Ramsey's going to have to shut down uh, the Hopkins of the world, the, uh, the Corey Davises the T.Y. Hilton's and whatnot, I think how that pass defense performs is going to be really on his shoulders. Um, Bouye, I think, will rebound a little bit, but I don't know if he's going to be the same player he was once.
0: Yeah, I, I know Bouye had some injuries last year, and he just didn't look like himself, too. He also looked really timid, like he wasn't as physical as he typically was. Um, and Ramsey, you know, played really well. He was he was spectacular and, and one of the top five cornerbacks in football again last year. But yeah, like it was Bouye, and I know like his injuries weren't like major; they were a lot of you know being banged up and a lot of hobbling. Um, so, are you expecting him to bounce back for this defense this year?
1: Yeah, I'm actually not sure about that one at all. Um, Bouye last year, as you said, did not play very physically. He he had a lot of big games too, a lot of games where he just would allow uh, himself to get picked on. And limiting those games are going to be a big factor for how well the Jaguars can finish as well. Because while not everybody has two good wide receivers, some teams really do. And Bouye uh, being healthy is very important for them. Mm-hmm.
0: And the last player that they replaced from last year was Barry Church. He was actually cut at the strong safety position. And replaced him is Ronnie Harrison. I really liked what I saw from Ronnie Harrison last year. I thought he was really great in the run. And also, he's a lot of fun to watch uh, blitzing. Like seeing him blindside, blitz off the edge was, uh, was really enjoyable, especially when you have guys like Kalais Campbell, Yank, and Gakwa in the front that will cover up, that will take up two blockers and draw attention. So, I'm to blitz. Uh, do you feel the same way about Harrison? Are you excited to watch him take on the starting role this year?
1: Yeah, we have put him in, uh, in the uh, top 10 for the FO prospects list. So, we're pretty excited about Ronnie Harrison's future. Um, the Jaguars coaches were kind of raving about him, all OTAs, minicamp. And uh, he's obviously – obviously, you start with talking about his run stuff ability. That's what he, what he's big about. He's got you know a good NFL body for a safety at uh, this point. And, and I think kind of what he needs to work on is just mental mistakes because he's got the speed to recover. He's got a lot of um, ability to kind of be one of those disguise players up front. But if he, he botches his coverages, it's not going to matter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, could you see him covering tight ends and running backs in the past game and play main coverage like that too? I think that
1: uh, he could play up to that. I don't think he was there last year. So it's going to be one of those things where if it does happen, we're going to see it coming in like week four, and we're going to be like, oh, God, this guy's covered all the tight ends, and they have like a you know, a 5.4 yards per catch or something. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be coverage one. I think that's probably – Jack, but uh I do think that you'll see him on running backs a lot.
0: Okay. Um so that's kind of like the replacements that they have from this defense again last year that saw a really big jump in their run defense, dropped off in their pass and finished sixth in defensive DBA. But their front seven, they added a very valuable player in Josh Allen, who slipped him slipped to them in the first round of the draft. And so what do you think Jackson was gonna do to be able to get all their best players in their front front seven on the field? Because they do have Ngakwe, they have Campbell, they have Allen, they have Jones and Darius. Uh, what type of fronts do you see them running to get them all out there? Do you see them running maybe more 3-4, uh, maybe some more 4-3-unders? What are you expecting from Jacksonville to get all these guys on the field?
1: I mean, I expect I expect on running downs that you'll see Campbell, Darius, Jones, and either Gakwe or Allen, depending on how they feel about it. Uh, when we get to passing down time, I think you'll see Campbell slide inside, and then they'll probably run... Allen and Nagakwe on the, on the outside. So that's, that's three, that's three really good rushers. And then they've also got Taven Bryan who has been marinating a little bit and uh, we don't really know what he is yet. So, I mean, they got the potential to have a really, really fierce rush here. It just depends on uh, how Brian plays out, how Allen plays out in his rookie year. Um, I'm a little less like, I'm not expecting Allen to be like an instant 10 sack guy. I think he's going to take a little bit to adjust. But I do think that uh you could see six sevens actually him this year.
0: Okay. And so for, for Allen, I I like I right now just based off the opportunities he's gonna have, I feel like he could win defensive player of the year. Uh, do you think that's a possibility? And I guess like who do you have as your defensive rookie of the year? I meant defensive rookie of the year. Do you think Allen wins this award or who's your pick if you don't? Whew,
1: man, that's that's a big question for this early <laughs> season. <laughs> uh I do think that Allen has the potential to be that kind of guy. Uh, I guess I would just say that he's uh, putting him in this off in this defense is a really good fit, but watching his stuff at Kentucky, I was a little bit concerned about uh, kind of the mental game of his rushes, uh, his hand play. Like like I'm not entirely sure that he's going to be that guy from go. If you told me that, you know, he'd have a year under his belt. I'd feel a lot better about projecting him to get 12 sacks, 13 sacks, uh, that sort of thing. I, I mean, obviously for me, you start with Ed Oliver and Quentin Williams. You're talking about defense rookie of the year candidates. So um, I, I would probably pick Oliver only because uh, I think Buffalo's defense is a little bit better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good pick. And I, I think you made a great point about Allen too in the middle game. I watched him in college. I think the biggest probably have was he was way too wide in a lot of his rushes, and so he just took himself out of place by default, uh, just by not betting the edge early enough and by trying to go it you know, maybe way too far outside of tackles. And uh, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL are so good at just knowing when, especially when they're rushing from the spot. you can see because he did rush a lot of the left defensive end position in Kentucky, and it's pretty easy to step up and deal with guys who go way too wide out there.
1: Yeah, and I mean when you're you know playing in the SEC, all that athleticism, you know, it doesn't really matter quite how nuanced you are in, in your bend and, and you know, just trying to play the hand game. Uh, playing in the NFL, it's a lot of different story. So, like, it, I, I agree with you that the opportunity is definitely on the table. I'm, I'm just not entirely sure that he's going to hit it this year.
0: Okay. And I wanted to bring up Taven Bryan too on this front seven because last year he was the Jaguars' first-round pick in 2018. Last season he had one sack, one quarterback hit, and seven pressures. And I didn't know anything at all about him coming out of Florida. I didn't watch any of his, uh, you know, college film at all. And then watching Jaguars video throughout last year, like nothing really stood out with him. Like he wasn't really like a great athlete. I didn't see like I didn't see like a great first step. I didn't see like any traits that he was even above average at. I thought he was just blocked, you know, way too easily. Um, are you expecting any improvement from him in his second season? And kind of what what was like the what was the summary of him coming out of college? When the Jaguars did draft him the first round.
1: I mean, I think they drafted him kind of hoping that they would get a a three tech guy who could, um, you know, get around guys a, a little bit easier than he actually has so far in his NFL career. He's got the agility. Um, he's he's his power was the problem for him for me last year. He he had like. Uh, he needs heavier hands. I feel like um, the lack of power was kind of evident on some of these plays, and and uh, we talked about it in the Almanac how you know he was only starting towards the end of the season, and that was about the same time that Eric Henry's big uh, big day happening against the Jaguars. So, I mean, he wasn't like a big part of the big touchdown runs or anything, but he did he did show up on, on the play to play. So, mm-hmm. I think you're looking for him to. You know, take a step, maybe become just just a guy who can get like five or six sacks. I don't think he's going to be a superstar this year. I don't think that he's going to suddenly gain all the power in the world and start wrenching guys left and right. I do think he can be better than he was last year, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even like six sacks from him would be like a tremendous improvement after last year. And I do think uh, a great children's book would be Derek Henry's big day. To write about what he did Jack, to to, uh, to Jacksonville last year, and like I guess it was week sixteen on that Thursday night game when he ran for you know two hundred fifty yards or whatever it was.
1: Yep, yep, and uh, and Brian was just at that time just getting his feet wet. So
0: I don't know. I'm not I'm not going to bury the guy too much on, on
1: you know what, what was it like three or four games that he actually played extensively in. but uh, yeah, could do better.
0: Yeah, so Calais Campbell is approaching his mid thirties. Uh, he was spectacular again last year, and he's been one of like probably one of the best free agent signings that you can see. Like everything that Jacksonville, all the money they gave him has been worth it. The entire situation, environment has been uh, you know really great. It's been like a great marriage for player and team uh, in Jacksonville with that free agent signing. Do you see him slowing slowing down at all this year, or do you expect him to keep that same level production that he's had for the last three seasons or so, and I guess his entire career?
1: I mean, with Campbell, I mean it's it's one thing to just be like. You know, this guy is slowing down physically, but he's such a craftsman, you know, just every little aspect of line play. You know, he's he's like become one of these true veterans who just, you know, kind of mind melds with with the lineman who's trying to block him and and wins so, so often, even if he's just getting a little advantage here or there. uh, I have a hard time believing that he's just going to to fall down the drain. I think with him, you're looking more at a slow decline and I think if you're hoping that the Jaguars fall apart this year or something, uh, kind of the best you're hoping for out of that is maybe he becomes like a seven, eight sack guy instead of a 10 sack guy. Like he's he's just so, so talented at, at what he does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's also like six foot eight and he plays on the inside and outside. And like even in 2012 or so watching him in Arizona, I always kind of felt like he was like JJ Watt, but just like without the transcendence where if there wasn't Watt around, he would have got a lot more attention. Because he did a lot of the same similar things that Watt did, but just not at an all galaxy level, just an all pro level.
1: And one of the greatest uh, kick blockers of all time,
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's six foot eight. It's it's crazy how big he is. He's, uh,
1: he is he is one of the best like pure tools picks. I think he was like a third rounder that anybody has made this decade.
0: Mm-hmm. So the other guy in this front seven is Yankan Gakwe. Last year he had nine half, nine half sacks, 24 quarterback hits, and 38 pressures. This is year four of his rookie contract. Uh, there was like holdout talks, but he came back and he practiced throughout training camp and played this preseason. Uh, how do you think they're going to handle his contract, this upcoming free agency? Are you expecting him to sign a long-term deal in Jacksonville, or is he going to be a franchise tag purgatory? And can we see this maybe bleeding into this 2019 season in Jacksonville?
1: I would guess right now, just just reading the tea leaves, that he would be tagged and traded next off season. I don't think that they want to pay him. I think that they are a little bit down on his lack of uh, uh, run ability. I think they think he sells out a little bit too much at this point. Uh, th- Honestly, you get a lot of the same criticisms you got about Clowney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very it's very focused on work habits, and you know you get little whispers here and there about stuff like that. So. I'm a big fan. I think that uh, Ngakwe can be, you know, a a number one pass rusher for any team in this league that doesn't have somebody obviously better. But uh, I don't know that the Jaguars feel the same way. And I think that given the Foles contract just kicking in that year and how they may be underwater on some of these contracts, uh, depending on what you see this year, they could could trade him next offseason.
0: Yeah, and I don't I haven't looked into like the complete dealer salary cap sheet, but I know Ramsey's coming up on a big extension too, and Foles is gonna make you know twenty plus million dollars this year. And so I expect something similar. And I think also drafting Allen, like if Allen has a really good two thousand nineteen and they feel he's expendable, I could see him being tagged and traded for, you know, at least maybe a second round pick, maybe a late first round pick for a team that, you know, is on the cusp of reaching that uh, that contender window.
1: Yeah, it's it- it's really kind of about uh, how they want to take the contracts that they currently have because they, I think right now they, they are projected over the cap next year, but I mean that's also with you know like Marcel Darius carrying like a 23 million cap that There's no yeah, way he's yeah. ever going to see. Uh, there's like AJ can at like seven or eight million, and I think Hayden's up there too, and you know guys like that who you know solid players not worth that money in, in any sense at all. So. Uh, I think that the Jaguars will have the option to keep uh, Ngakwe if they want to, but how they're going to, you know, deal with all that structuring is going to be interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So on defense, is there anything else that you want to add? Do you have a player like not like John Oliver, but like Josh Oliver that we should keep out, keep our eyes out for whenever the season begins this weekend? I mean, I would say Harrison for sure. I think his, his how, how how successful that
1: he is. In, in the facets of his game, given how uh, impactful the middle of the field is becoming in the NFL, is going to be big for them. Because I think they can rely on Jack. But if that's all they can rely on in the middle, that's going to be a real tough sell. And it's going to be hard for them to hide that all season.
0: Okay, cool. So I know the, the numbers have kind of changed since uh, the Almanac came out with the retirement venture log. With Houston trading Clowney and trading for Lynn And the over-unders changed a little bit. Houston's the favorite, 8.5 wins. Jacksonville's over-unders, 8 wins. Tennessee's over-unders, 8 wins. And the Colts over-unders, 7.5 wins. Um, So as an AFC South expert, how do you think this division plays out and how many games do you think the Jaguars win?
1: This is the division right now where I could legitimately see any team winning it. Um, I think that there are scenarios where all of them do pretty well. I guess... For me personally, I've been more leaning toward the Titans. I think the Titans have kind of an underrated quarterback right now. I think people are a little bit too down on Mariota. Uh, The only thing I'm really worried about with them is I don't know how that offensive coordinator is going to work things. I think they've definitely got the talent to be a lot better than they are. So if Arthur Smith can – Come in and in his first year institute some stuff that actually works. <laughs> yeah. It uh, doesn't get too like bogged out in this whole, oh, we've got to run Derrick Henry who the ground. That's, that's how you win football games. Blah, 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 I'm Bill O'Brien. Uh, I, I think that's the sort of thing where if, if the Titans do that, they're going to be hard to stop.
0: So, how many games do the Jaguars win this year? I would say that the
1: Jaguars are a seven win team. I could see them winning anywhere from like five to nine, but I think seven is about the middle of their range.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, I so I saved the Jaguars for last uh, doing, you know, going through the preview because I picked them to win the division even before the luck retirement and the Houston and the trades Houston made. And then the biggest reason why is I thought this would be a top five defense. I really like their offensive line. I think they could go back to that power run game. And I thought like the difference between Foles and Bortles would be dramatic enough that they could win, you know, close games and would be really good for this year. But I don't like Jacksonville's really long-term outlook with paying Foles as much money as they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I could see for sure. Uh, the Jaguars definitely are not in a talent disadvantage in any way. And, you know, if you if you see things going their way with the offensive line, if you see Allen come and have a great season right away, if Foles and, and Westbrook have a good connection, yeah, I can totally see that happening. Um, I think right now the Titans and the Texans are the two teams that are kind of vying for driver's seat.
0: Mm -hmm. And we'll we'll find out pretty soon, too, because they play Kansas City at home in week one. It'll be interesting to see how Kansas City's run defense is approved and if Jacksonville's pass defense can uh, run with Kansas City even a little bit because the Chiefs did blow them out uh, pretty quickly and pretty immediately last year when they played on the road in Kansas City.
1: Yeah, that was a fun game. I mean, the, the great part, of that was uh, that was still when the, the Jaguars had beat the Patriots in like week two. So mm-hmm. the Jaguars still thought, "Oh, we're you know we're the kings, man. We can't wait to see this team in 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 uh, January." Well, well, not so fast, <laughs> Jaguars. Not so fast. Uh, I, I do think that uh, the Jaguars, you know, what happened last year to their defense was more a matter of turnovers drying up. So if they get those again, they're going to be tough to stop. But I don't know but you can, in, that you can ever predict the level of turnover and touchdown stuff that they got in 2017 to happen to any team.
0: Yeah, I, and I always kind of forget how many non-offensive touchdowns they had in 2017, too. They had, I think, like eight or nine of those.
1: Yeah, it was a ridiculous season and, you know, he- heavily influenced by some, some bad quarterbacking and some some Tom Savage games. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it always helps to have that on your, on your record every year. Uh, is there anything else that you want to maybe add about the Texans at all and how they may play in this division uh, in regards to the entire AFC South?
1: Um, I don't know what to say about the Texans after this, this weekend, really. <laughs> uh, you know, they're a better team than they were probably barely after those two trades. And now, the defense is going to have more pressure on it than ever before, given how much O'Brien's going to use the run game. So, uh, it's really going to be on Romeo to stay week to week to uh, mm-hmm. to keep that defense going, because it's going to take a lot of disguise to work with those players in the middle of the field and get pass rush out of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we did I did a preview of Seth uh, Payne like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I feel like we need to record a completely new one after all the trades that happened on Saturday. But I do think this division is going to be really wide open. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't see any of these teams really bottom leaning out. I think maybe like the lowest team will probably win about seven games, whether it's you know Indy or Tennessee or even Houston. I think Houston probably wins between six and seven after the clowny trade just because I don't like their pass rush. I don't like their secondary, and they rely on pressure. And they play so many really tough quarterbacks too. And like you mentioned in your uh, preview for the Texans and Bill O'Brien's win-loss record, when they give them more than 22 points, O'Brien's going to have to win games in a way he hasn't never done before at all, and that's where all the pressure's going to be on the offense to, to win like all these shootouts, and it's not anything they've ever done, so I'm not, really, uh, I'm not really high on Houston this year because of that.
1: Well, listen, they all sat
0: around in a room together and they talked about Bill O'Brien's <laughs> coaching,
1: and they decided that he was doing it right, okay? So there's nothing you can do, I'm sorry. They tried really hard, they came up with a plan, it's their best plan, so you, you've got to deal with it.
0: Well, at least they got done before Labor Day before the summer ends and they were able to have at least like one campfire moment together before I didn't think things are just gonna be you know bad this year. Uh, but I don't want to save too much more of your time. Uh, thank you for coming on and talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars and proving their season and I'm excited to watch this team play. Like kinda like how I'm always excited to watch the AFC South no matter how bad they are after kinda growing up with this division, watching them so closely. Uh, but thank you for being on today, Rivers. And do you have anything anywhere we can find you riding throughout the season? Uh, are any things that you're currently working on for the 2019 season?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, just Rivers McCown on Twitter uh, is where I post most of my stuff. Uh, RiversMcCown.com is going to be hopping this year, I think. Uh, didn't really get a lot of freelance commitments that I'm like super. I was like super stoked about, so you know, going to go go and go in on myself this year, and uh, look forward to covering the Texans as much as I can, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got, really. <laughs> well,
0: cool. Well, I'm looking forward to reading you throughout the year, and I'll try to read it more. So, and hopefully, your thoughts don't bleed too much into mine. If it does, I'll have to just not read anything again like I typically do. Uh, just try to keep myself as free and independent as possible. But, um, anyways, thanks for Beyond today, we'll make sure to look out for your stuff throughout the season. And mine is Brian Bassman.